What's up, guys? Winners here podcast. Cody, Matt, and we uh, we got Adam back again. Hello. Uh, hopefully, we'll be a little bit more energetic than we were when we decided to do a podcast on St. Patty's Day and the day of our draft. So, none of us are nearly as intoxicated as we were when we recorded there. So that is true. I think uh, this is where Thrones really, really picked up for me. Is where season four. Like, just everything that starts to happen this season is where shit really picks up and the plot really gets going. Like, you don't have a whole lot of wasted plot lines with Daenerys and Bran like you've had kind of previously. Like, everybody's starting to kind of to get to where shit's happening from here on out. So, obviously, the biggest biggest thing for season four that everyone loved was... We finally get to see Joffrey die. Yeah, it's early too. It's great. That's his own wedding. That's the most <laughs> shocking part about it is how early in the season it happened because we've been so trained or conditioned, I guess, to expect that big, big battle or big death right. scene wasn't to be the, like season nine or episode nine. Right. It wasn't the Red Wedding episode nine of that season, Ned's, season three. Wasn't it, was Ned killed in nine or was he killed before that? Uh, it wasn't. It was either nine or ten. It was like one of the last episodes. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, but that's what we've been conditioned to expect. And then, right, a bunch of story stuff happens. No major deaths, and then you build up to something epic. You know, the season before or the episode before the finale, and the finale kind of sets up next season, and you're generally left with some kind of cliffhanger or something. You know, this just about to happen. It was unexpected. It's like the best unexpected thing that's happened. Every yeah. other unsuspected event was like a red wedding or Ned's death or something like that. It's finally like the good guys get one. So that uh that whole scene is it just furthers the plot of how terrible a person Joffrey is. So, you know, pre wedding, uh what's uh Tyrion give him? Like the Book of Kings or something like that. So, of course, what he does is he destroys it with a sword, which we also need to discuss briefly. Um, At the beginning of this season... Are you talking about when the sword... Ned's sword gets melted down? Yeah, Ned's sword gets melted down into two swords, which go to Jaime and go to uh, Joffrey. So, he shows off his brand new sword, Valyrian Steel, and that's going to come into play this season, too. Dwarfs fight out. Yeah, he has the the dwarf fights reenacting out the war. He's throwing food at people and shit. At one point, he ends up dumping his wine on Tyrion's head and, and basically just makes to him further... Be his cup bearer. Yeah, just to, to spit on him completely. Yeah. Makes him be his cupbearer. You can tell that Tyrion's not happy. Like, he's just hammered drunk the whole time. And all this is going on. There's one scene where um, they show Elena Tyrell and show that she's involved somehow, but you don't really understand what's going on in that scene where she fixes Sansa's hair. And then she does something with her necklace, and that's yeah. where the poison comes from that kills Joffrey. But um, I don't really want to get into like a bunch of his details about his death. I'd like to save that for when we do our like most memorable kills okay. podcast, like right before the season starts, because that's a fun one to get into. But you just that event is what kind of really sets everything else in motion, especially for Tyrion, because. He's the one that's looked to and accused of being the one that killed Joffrey right away. Like I mean, he's he's holding the 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 wine, what, yeah. whatever the big the big jug, and I think he's holding it still yeah, when everyone's looking and every he's like, "What?" Immediately grab him. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, that really so she says it too. I think she says she accuses him. Yeah, right away. 
You so did this. that's obviously an issue for Tyrion. So, you know, he does the uh goes on trial. Um one of the people that's on the council like one of the judges, so it's Tywin, the Tyrell dad, who basically he reminds me of yeah. someone from Munchkinland and the Wizard of Oz. He's he's, a, he's always kind of aloof, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't matter. Like you see that Elena's the the power person of that, and he's just an idiot. Yeah, they um, do. They do show him every every now and then, but like you just, said, he's he's always yeah, just, just there. Just to show he's a dummy. Yeah, yeah, he has he holds some kind of power. <laughs> just because he's got deep pockets, right? Um, the other judge is Oberyn Martell, who we get introduced to this season, who is honestly, like by far, hands down, my favorite character they brought on that show. So likable. He was just so charismatic. He basically just a little backstory on him. He's from Dorne. Um, He's introduced with Tyrion's character, and that just shows you how strong of a character he's been from square one. You can bring someone in with Tyrion, and that character becomes popular. Like, yeah. look at Braun. Yeah. And now with Oberyn, I mean, Oberyn could have done it on his own with the character that I love that actor. Um, yeah, so they so what they did was they had only briefly introduced Dorne, I think, in the past. Uh, what's his name? Tyrion had said something about Dornish women, or or something like that. But they, this was the first person I think you actually meet from Dorn. That's it, where they right sent, before. Uh, what's her name? The daughter of Marcella. Marcella, yeah. yeah. Her to Dorn. So Oberyn comes back. He's greeted by Tyrion. Tyrion's job, basically, in that is to kind of keep him under control, which he does a terrible job of. Uh, Oberyn <laughs> makes it abundantly clear that he's not there for diplomacy. He's yeah. there to, to seek revenge to on the mountain. Well, yeah, and bang. he basically everybody. bangs his way through King's Landing, women and men. Um, yeah, the girl that he's with, like she's not his wife. I forget what word they call her, but uh, she. You don't really know how strong of a character like she is at this point. You think she's just you know the one that he's banging and brought along with to yeah. bang, um, but. You see very like quickly, like he's there for revenge. He wants to kill the mountain for killing his sister and all that good shit. So but you don't really know what, what he's kinda gonna entail. So you get to see uh him as a judge. So as the the trial's going, shit's not going well for Tyrion at all. Not like at all. basically Cersei's just running the like influence and everybody against him. He doesn't stand a shot. Right. Every everybody's using this as their chance because People like Cersei, people who've hated him the whole way, they've never really had, because he's pretty smart, they've never really had a way to, you know, get rid of him. And everyone's jumping at the opportunity because this is the one chance that, you know, they, you know, he could, he could die. He could be killed. So he's definitely, yeah, everyone's Cersei's always thought he's been a threat. So she uses this as a golden opportunity to try to eliminate one. So um, the big kick in the dick for him is when the Shay comes and testifies against him she perjured his ass yeah basically talking about how him and Sansa were plotting and all this good shit she's upset because she was all bored that's the only reason he <laughs> left her in that room for so long well he wanted uh, he sent her off and he was, like he yeah but he was gonna send her off too because like at the wedding that's when you kind of see that Cersei and Tywin have caught wind that they're still banging right so then that's like he pretty much makes a decision to trying ship to her save off. Her life. Yeah, trying to save her. And a woman scorned, man. Yeah. Dangerous. Yeah. So at that point, like, he's got a pretty epic speech where he basically just says, fuck it. Like, 
I don't care what any of you think. I'm just going to be a dick because that's what you want me to be. I want a trial by combat. He said, I didn't kill Joffrey, but I wish I, I had. I wish I could or had, yeah. He says, I wish that I were the monster you all wanted me to be or portray me as whatever. But yeah, it's a, a pretty nice guy. I, yeah, yeah, very, very intelligent. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a good scene for him because then it leads up to the trial by combat thing. So from there, um, Cersei's person is the Hound. And Jamie's no good to Tyrion. He, you know, he would definitely have fought for him and been his champion if he still had his good hand. Right. Um, but he's no good. So basically, because of revenge, Oberyn Martell decides no, that. Not the Hound. Did I say the Hound? Yeah. Why do I always do that? That's terrible. So sorry. The Mountain, Sir Gregor Clegane. Um, he volunteers to fight, and it's. What's that episode called? The Mountain and the Viper? Yeah. Yep. It, they're just polar opposites. You've got this big... What's that dude? Like 6'8 or six some nine, shit? 6'9". Like four pounds. Like ridiculously large. And then you've got Ober Martell. You've got the brute and the acrobat. Well, and, the whole time. The whole time. So when they set this all up, you've seen... You haven't really seen the mountain fight other than the first season... He's in a joust, right? Mm-hmm. And he gets what? Well, doesn't he cut the head off someone's the horse, horse, right? Yeah. So you're like, this dude's bad, but and you see him, you know, smash a bunch of people's faces and stuff, and you know, protecting Cersei, but you never really see him fight. And one other person, Oberyn, they they bring him in, you know, like you said, this season. That's the first time you've seen this dude. You're like, this dude is nuts. Like, you know, I know he has revenge. I know on his mind, like, you know what he wants, but you're like, can this, no, like, this dude can't, he's, this dude can't fuck with the mind. He's going to die. He's like, going to die. There, it's like, right. you think automatically you're like, shit, Good he's going to win. Let's save that for the, uh, for the <laughs> right. next, so, for that well, last podcast yeah, so, too. So, so he, the, in his mind, you're, you're like, what the hell is this dude thinking? Like, is it, it, he just wants to die? Like we thought, you know. Maybe the guy had a better plan than this. That was one of the greatest character changes from the mountain in the first two seasons to the new mountain that they... Yeah. The freak. Yeah, that dude's just... Frankenstein. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that battle goes down. You think that Oberyn's going to win. And like even like we were saying, like the big comparison with like Brute and uh, like the much smaller Agile guy, like one's using a big-ass sword, one's using a spear. Like, it's just weird. Like, you usually don't see people battling with a sword and a spear. Yeah, you see Oberyn show up, and he's doing all these fancy moves with a spear. And, then and all that. That's the first time in your head you're like, okay, maybe he's got a chance. All right, so the way this wraps up is you, you're firmly believing that Oberyn's going to win, and the mountain, not the hound, basically crushes his skull like a grape. So... That's a big, big hit to uh to Tyrion. The so. mountain does collapse though. Right yeah, that's afterwards. the mountain is basically he's injured. He's you think pretty sure he's gonna die. Um, the big thing on that is you you get a scene with uh, what's his name Kyburn who yeah. basically says like, well, there's a way that's not in the books that you can keep a person alive, and then that's pretty much the end of it. Um, and you don't see him for a while. So from there. Um, you know, like Tyrion, he's not in a good spot. Um, this is really great for the Tyrells. Right. And you get that, uh, what's that scene with, uh, Elena and Marjorie? What does she say to her? Oh, she says, well, right after, I guess it's right after the wedding. She says, you really think I would let you marry that monster? Yeah. You're, you're really beginning to see like much like we were talking about the husband, like he's a, he's a buffoon. You're seeing that she's... She's playing the game, and she's not playing it like everyone else is. Definite power play by she's in Elena Tyrell. Yeah, and you don't know that she's 
the cause yet. Right. But you're seeing that she's a very, very strong character and she's going to protect her family no matter what. So She's cunning. Yeah, yeah. she's smart. She's... It's uh it's fantastic for Marjorie because then she gets the she gets the young youngest brother. Yeah, Tommy. she just moves down the line. Yeah, so that's if we're keeping track, I guess. I mean, that's two kings. Well, and Renly. Yeah, Renly and Joffrey both dead. So apparently she's cursed. Um, <laughs> but I mean, they're they're pretty much from that point. I mean, it's it's much easier for Marjorie to control Tommen. Than it was Joffrey. Right. Joffrey's evil to the core. Tommen is is very very different. Cersei hasn't see, got, hasn't had she hasn't had her hooks in him yet. No, because she's been so focused on Joffrey, and like you got to think about that too, and how how much easier it was for Marjorie to sway him. Because how would it feel to be the youngest brother and see your mom constantly with your brother and not really with you? And now you're getting all this attention, you know? Like, she hadn't. It'd been impossible. Well, to how would that it be with Joffrey? Your older brother's getting married. He dies on his wedding day, and like, well, we're talking like days later. Your his his, his ex wife is trying to hook up with you, trying to seduce those, you, and you're and they, they you know he's I think fourteen at this those time. Those scenes are yeah, it's, it's weird. To it watch. is weird. <laughs> like he's, because he's she like doesn't. 14. I don't know. I don't know if they say how old Marjorie is, but you know, at much least older. yeah, at much, least twenty. I would older. think. Yeah, much older. Um, I guess like even maturity wise, though. That's a power play in itself. Yeah. That yeah, I remember those scenes were really weird to me. Like, just kind of gave me the the heebie-jeebies. Um, but big thing with uh, that we didn't cover with Joffrey and his death. Um, very disturbing sex scene with Cersei and Jaime on uh, like basically right beside Joffrey's body. That uh, I remember Danny was not a big fan of that one. She was pretty. She she was rather appalled by it. Like, oh great, having sex by your dead son's corpse. That's romantic. I'm like, yep. That's what brothers and sisters do. It's a very uh, incest-heavy show at times. Yeah, it's uh, and that's something else that I believe happens this season, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, Cersei finally admits to Tywin that her and Jamie have been banging. All those rumors are true. She admits that to him this season. So that's a kind of big because yeah, they haven't talked about that to anybody else. And I guess I don't know. I can't imagine how awkward of a conversation with your yeah. dad that would be. But uh, no one's Cersei though. She's probably like okay with it because she's evil yeah well you really <laughs> kind of get to see like she takes some she takes that big big hit with joffrey dying and then you also kind of get to see a little bit of division between jamie and Cersei at this point because there's some uh the scene with jamie where he basically he tells tywin if you spare if you spare Tyrion's life i will leave the king's guard and I will return like to the family name and do that because that's what Tywin's always wanted him to do, but won't do it. Right. And then the other part of that conversation is Jamie expressing how pissed he is that Tywin let Cersei just manipulate the court like she did. He didn't, and he basically says, like, do you really think I'd let them kill him? But the the end result of that is Jamie frees him, and then some some big, big things happen that you don't really expect from Tyrion. And he ends up... What What does she call him? What's What does Shay call Tyrion? My lion? Isn't that what she calls him? Yeah, that sounds right. I think so so she yeah. walk, he walks into Tywin's bedroom, and Shay's laying on the bed, and she says that, and like and she, you and can he, just see well, his face. Right, because he... 
She it's, thinks it's uh, it's Tywin. It's Tywin. Yeah. yeah, but and he came through like the trap door, right? Yeah. Really? So he's just like you can just see it on his face, and just like one of the something you don't expect from Tyrion is just he strangles her, and it's so it's such a physical kill. Like it's not like stabbing somebody or something like that. Like you can see the struggle, yeah, and you can see like in his face, like he's not like he's just in a, a a different spot than you've you've seen him up until this point. And then of course he proceeds to. Walking on his dad on the shitter and shoot him twice with a crossbow and good old Elvis death. Yep. Yeah. So that's uh that's big for, for Tyrion because you don't really see him act on impulse like a lot of the characters do. So for him to do that, like you you know that that whole trial and especially with if Shay hadn't testified like she did, this would have never happened. But that just he's basically he's he's over the edge. He's done with the Lannisters. Yeah, so he ends up getting uh getting snuck out by uh, Lord Varys in a crate. So back to old Jamester here. He uh he frees his brother, which is a pretty big move for Jamie, and you really you continue to to really start to like his character even more because that's one of the fun things about the Lannisters is there's Cersei and Jamie who are supposed to be inseparable. And then Cersei gets so jealous of of Tyrion because Jamie just loves his little brother. Yeah, yeah. And he and he's the only one really in the whole. Yeah, family. he's the only, only one, one in the family that that genuinely cares for Tyrion. And it's you just continue to really enjoy his character. And another thing that I I really enjoy, and you still see him together in season eight, is Bronn goes with Jamie and starts training him with his left hand to fight like sword fight wise. So he can. And they're doing it in secret, so you know. Jamie can keep his pride. Um, but that's that's pretty much like that's the big thing for him this season was he frees Tyrion. He's the only person in Westeros that really loves Yeah, and Tyrion. just continues to show that he's he's just a good guy. And one other thing he does, I guess, that's that's huge for moving forward is he gives his sword to Brienne. To Brienne of Tarth. And Oathbreaker. Oathbreaker. Yeah, yeah. So that's big. The uh, the Valyrian steel conversation, that'll be uh, what we cover for season five. But you don't understand quite what... You know that Valyrian steel is special. important or special of some sort, but you don't really know why. And we'll find that out next season. Um, so Brienne, we've talked about her quite a bit. Um, and she's like... She's not involved in any like the major, major plot points yet. She's just kind of been bouncing back and forth from here to here but you do have one like good scene with her and Elena Tyrell and you see this super strong older woman of a very very prominent family and she's just an admiration and 100% respect for Brienne and that was kind of a she gets her little buddy Podrick too yeah, I forgot about Podrick. Yeah, they're like inseparable. She's not happy about that though. Begin. They uh, she is not, no. they they do they do become a pretty good duo there down the road. But yeah, she is not like it's so it just. You can tell she's just uncomfortable with being served like that. But he you like his character. Like you see he's, them together in the season eight trailer too. Yeah, you do. They're uh, they're still still holding on strong, man. Maybe it's it's cause she's a fucking giant. <laughs> she's Could a good be. woman to have on the side. Yeah. Especially now that she's got uh Oathbreaker. Yeah. Alright, so as we said, you know, the big big thing this season was Joffrey's death, so the other other co-conspirator alleged for his death was Sansa, and one person we didn't bring up, um, we haven't brought up in a long time, was Sir Dantos, the uh, the court jester that Sansa saves in a previous 
it's, previous it's episode. It's on Joffrey's name day, yeah, uh, and it's two. it's soon after he becomes king. So we're we're I think it's not till season two. I believe so. Yeah, so early on in season two. And he, yeah, it's the guy that he tries to pretty much uh, drown to yeah. death because he shows up shows drunk. up drunk, stumbling around, none of his armor on. So he shows up randomly, and he's the one that gives uh, signs of the poison necklace, and then he's the one that sneaks her out. So that whole thing leads to like a whole another big weird thing that you find out that is pretty pretty important to the plot. We've pretty much been talking about Baelish this entire time and how he's behind everything. Right. Especially early on. This is, you haven't seen him much in this season, but, you know, I understand with all the shit happening to the Lannisters at that time. So, you, they finally do bring Baelish back up to kind of keep things moving with his dirty schemes. And you immediately find out some bombshells. So, he sneaks uh, Sansa off up to uh, the Eyrie. Right. You find out he's behind the whole Dantos thing. He kills Dantos. That's the big thing that we see is like now we've finally seen him kill someone too. Like he's not above that. You've you've only seen him at this point have other people do his dirty work. So now you see that he also doesn't give a shit about doing it himself either. And that obviously doesn't sit well with Sanzo because she's already saved this guy once and like why the hell would you kill him? So they go up to the Eerie where we get to see Liza and her little weird fucking family again. Um, from there you find out that uh Liza Tully, right? Yeah. They're related to Catelyn. It's Catelyn's sister. sister. Yeah. Yeah. So you find out that she's the one that poisoned her husband, husband, John Aaron, and set all of this into motion. And Baelish was involved in all of that. You also find out that Liza is like insanely, insanely jealous of Sansa for being young and for Baelish loving him loving her right and she basically threatens to throw sansa off the the sky roof thing well don't they set up like a quick marriage for her and yeah he, yeah she does all that because she's yeah. a fucking psycho she wants to get it done right yeah she's away. got like yeah. a sept on site ready to yeah. do it so long story short for her she gets her immediate payback like right after you realize that she's a shitty psychopath really see the full scope of her crazy Baelish chucks her off. She's dead. Right through the moon door. Shit gets creepy with Sansa again because he loved Catelyn and she's the next best thing. Well, Sansa's sitting there and he tells Lysa directly, the only woman I've ever loved was Catelyn Stark or Catelyn Tully and then pushes her out of the moon door. So it's pretty much like I married you, but the only one I really loved was your sister. Yeah. I mean, but you pretty much see from there, like at that point, he controls the veil now. What's her son's name? Robin. Robin. Like yeah. that kid is. <laughs> Were they supposed to marry her and Sansa together? Yeah. Some weird. But you, you see that Baelish is running the, the veil, yeah. so he's got power now. So he's of course on his way. He's gonna go plot more shit, and he ends up being the one to set up the uh, marriage between Sansa and Ramsay Bolton. So from there, Baelish he uh. He decides it's time to uh, leave Sansa up at the Vale, and he's going to travel back to King's Landing and continue playing that side of the uh, the war and let Cersei know that, you know, I'm still on your side. I've got the Knights of the Vale pretty much in my pocket, and we're protecting the Lannisters. So, staying right up there by the Vale, uh, that's where Arya and the Hound are traveling to. Uh, the Hound's plan is to get some money for uh for Arya Stark 
he's going to sell her back to Liza and make some money and, you know, go on his merry way. Um, one big thing this season is you finally get to hear the Hound tell the story about his brother basically just burning his face and giving him his scars That's over while playing with his playing with his favorite toys while he does it, just yeah. holds his face to the fire. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of get to see more of, of the Hound. Like, he's definitely still a rough character, but, you know, you continue to... You see, you understand why he is the way he is, but you still, you've you've grown to like him at this point. So, as, as they're traveling up that way, um, they run into some of his brother's men. And basically, it's a pretty badass uh, little battle scene where the Hound's just basically a bull in a, bull in a china shop wrecking house and while this is all happening you get to see that Arya is not just standing there doing nothing picks up a sword just real slowly stabs a guy finally gets reunited with Needle sees old Pulver and then she decides to uh kill him pretty heinously uh it's definitely uh an exact exact payback of what he did so what was that guy's name? Was it like Lomi or Lomi or something like that? Where he says, can you walk, boy? Because he got shot in the leg with the arrow. And he's like, does it look like you're going to have to carry me? He goes, carry you? Okay. And he holds his hand out and the kid reaches out and he stabs him, just pokes him super slow with her sword right through his throat. Like instead of just killing him, you see that he's just a fucking prick. That little blonde kid? Yeah, the yeah. little blonde kid that Arya says is... Is Gendry. Uh, is Gendry. Right. Yeah. So you don't really... Like, that guy's not a... He's not a, an important character, so it takes you a minute to kind of remember who he is. Yeah. And then as he's laying there, and Arya's just standing over him, she just starts repeating what he said as he killed that kid. And you see confusion on his face. She's like, can you walk, boy? And he's just like, what? And that, of course, ends with... When she stabs him, of course, is real slow through his throat again, and you can see the blade come out yeah. between like his head and the floor, and you just see like holy shit, like she's taking names. One of the names off the list. Yeah, and that's another thing is I th- I believe this season is the first time that you get to actually hear her start repeating her list out loud as she goes to bed. So that's that's big for her. Um, you kind of you get to see a it's it's always fun when you get to see a Stark kind of winning. Yeah. Which at this point we we haven't shit on. Yeah, we haven't seen a lot. There's not a lot of them left at this point. So, um, another fun scene that you get to see here is uh, when Brienne meets up with Arya and the Hound. Right. This is an awesome scene. Phenomenal. Yeah. When they're headed to the Vale. What a fight. So Brienne shows up, and Brienne has a a blood oath towards. With Catelyn um, Stark. Catelyn Stark. Yeah. Still at this point, she's dead, but Brienne doesn't care. She That's wants to bring that girl's home safe. Right, Still so her, her, I think she doesn't know anything about Arya at that time, but her goal is to head to uh, the Vale and I guess look for Sansa, right? Her whole goal is to get Sansa back to Winterfell um, or at least to safety. So that doesn't, you know, she finally shows up and, and the mountains there, or the hound, well, I did it too. See, it's, the, just, the it's a curse, man. This yeah. is all my fault. <laughs> I can't stop doing it. I can't help it. I have a problem. Right, so the hound is there, and and they meet each other for the first time. They talk a bunch of shit, and Brienne pretty much tells Arya, like, you're coming with me. And the, the hound is, you know, he's about to lose nope, his You pay. ain't taking my payday. Yeah, exactly. You're he's not like, taking my money. And he's like, how, look at how good the other ones did under your protection, too. Yeah. Like this little, the hound yeah, jab. jab. Yeah. And then he gets his ass handed to him, and he ends up, he the last time you see him, before Arya finds him, is he's tumbling down a cliff, like a slow-mo tumble down a cliff. 
He begs her to kill him. Yeah, check and, the name off his list. Yeah, he's like, check take me off, off your list. list. And she just, nope, suffer, motherfucker. Peace Walks out. Away. See you later. So, one of my favorite scenes, and like rewatching it, I forgot how funny it was when it happened. Because in this show, there's not, like, other than like Tyrion's little quips here and there, there's not a lot of like really funny scenes that you get to see. And I'll never forget, when they get to the Vale, the Hound is finally like, all right, I'm finally getting my payday for a Stark. Like, we made it, we're here. Oh, uh, hey, uh, I don't know if you heard or not, but Liza's dead. And before anything else can happen, Arya just breaks out laughing hysterically. And that shit (laughs) is hilarious. Because it's just like, oh, she finally, you get to see some badass shit where she kills, she gets some revenge. And it's like, oh, guess what? He keeps trying to find a way to make some money off of her and... Every time he does, that person's dead. The mission that will never be completed. Yeah. The hound gets paid. It's just, <laughs> it's right. I guess it's right up there. Is the hound ever going to get paid? And will Braun ever get his castle? That's number one for me. Braun, dude, that's Matt's, pretty, that's yeah. all Matt cares about in season eight. He's got to get Braun a castle. gets his castle. I hope so, man. He's worked hard for it. Well, I guess staying with, uh, with the Starks and going north of the wall here, um... Yeah, so wait, one last thing. One last thing is Arya. So after all this happens, I think Arya is finally more fed up than normal. And she just says, screw it. I'm out of here. She brings the coin, right? Yeah. The coin from uh, Jacques and Hagar. And she doesn't think she has any family left. Right. No, at this point, she doesn't know where Sansa is. She knows Rob and her mother are dead. Right, so they're not that far from the veil. And so at this point, she just says, screw it. I'm not even going to waste my time, I guess, and even head there. So she, Bravos. Yeah, she turns around, she uses her magic coin. You hear what what's it Valar Margolis is yeah. what they say. And off she goes. Off it's she time goes. to start her training as an assassin. And you don't really know I mean, at shit at this point you just you don't expect anything good to happen for her. Like no, not at all. And you kind of you know, maybe she doesn't think so either. So she's like, Okay, I'll get the hell out of here and you know, see where else I can go. She just doesn't have it she feels like she has nothing left. I mean, shit hasn't went well for her so far. Every time she goes somewhere new, someone dies. I mean, if you think about it, she's in King's Landing, goes there. Ned dies. She goes to the Vale. Wise is dead, which, I mean, it isn't, like, catastrophic. She shows up at the Red Wedding wedding, with the Hound. hound. 20 minutes too late. The whole family, like, you know, it's just, shit ain't going well for them. So, you know, you get that glimmer of hope that maybe she'll become this assassin. You've already seen that she can kill. You really want to see her start... Just checking yeah. names off. That's that's what I want. But and that's the, the thing too is like she had the chance with the hound, but she would just rather see him suffer. He was good to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She didn't know the rules of Game of Thrones. She didn't know he wouldn't die. That's the thing we've discussed. Like we discussed that about the hound for a while. After that is like you didn't see him die. What happens? You won't know till next season. Uh, staying with Starks, Bran. He's still uh. Brand. Still, uh, still warging it out up there. Uh, <laughs> Jojen basically has the talk with him, like, dude, you got to stop turning into your direwolf so much, or you're gonna forget how to be a person. Never gonna come back. Yeah, like you're never gonna come back from that. So he's continuing to mentor him. A uh, big thing with Brand this season is uh, Jojen dies. They get attacked by they some, some white walkers, too, right? On that was no, that was last season. Right. Up in the tower. Uh, oh, sorry, that was season. Was that season three? Yeah, I think so. 
We, I think Whatever, we, we talked matter. about that. We've covered it. Whatever season that's in, we covered. So we were at least right. So, so he, Bran keeps having these visions, right? And this is outside of his weird warg stuff, I believe. And he sees that tree, that tree the with tree. The, yeah. the red leaves the with the face tree. on it. So he sees the tree, and, and so he, they're right there. They're pretty much right there. And skeleton knows where he has to go. Yeah, and they're right. They can see it, I think. And they're in. That's when these skeletons show up, and they just appear, right? Out of the ground, yeah, out of the ground, yeah, out of the ground. and you know, it's a it's a pretty cool battle because it's on the snow, it's up in the cold. But like you said, Jojen is the I believe the only person even hurt in the battle. But he gets he gets stabbed with they're a knife. Saved, they're saved by the. Uh... Yeah, it's that little child, uh, child of the forest shows up and throws like fireballs and shit, and you're like, "What the hell? Where did this come from?" Yeah. But yeah, another someone related, you know, with the Starks helping them gets taken off. It's like every time they get a little victory, they have to lose something, and and one death might not be that major, but when there's only like five of you in a group right. traveling way, way yeah, north of the you're, wall you're by not yourself, close to anybody, yeah, you anything. don't, you can't afford to lose anybody. So that uh, you just continue to see uh, Brand's power because one thing we didn't talk about with him is he uh, he wargs into Hodor again, snaps the dude's neck as they're being chased. So that's that's fun. You get to see him do that again. So now not only can he calm Hodor down, you've seen that he's continuing to get stronger and stronger, and now he can actually make him run, and he could use him. As deadly force yeah, if, if absolutely if to, need yeah. be. So, you know, yeah, like saved, that's... He's saving their life. Doing yeah, that, that's that's working in his favor. So, you just... I mean, him... There's really not like, not a whole lot else that, that goes on there. Um, you kind of are still in the dark about... You don't know how strong he is yet. You don't really know what the... You see the... the Child of the Forest you see is. The, guy, the three eyed Yeah, he does meet the three eyed raven. I guess that would be yeah. a very big uh, yeah, uh, fact to, to leave out. So they're they're and the hype for that the build up to that was kind of creepy too. I mean, you knew it'd be weird, but it's a guy who it's only the upper half of his body, right? The rest yeah. of him's like fused into the tree. Yeah, it's pretty, so it, yeah, cool. It is. It's, it's All, really weird. Out of everything, like you've got the the only like really weird things are Melisandre and Bran. Yeah. You just don't yeah, know what to expect. Another side of yeah, it's weird. The more mystic kind of stuff. Like I think we discussed this before. Like the dragons are dragons. I can see that, but like all that other stuff is just kind of, it's kind of weird. But you're kind of you're kind of starting to figure it out a little bit here as we go. Like he's basically finally at his destination. So from here, he should hopefully be like that's the common denominator, I guess, with him and Arya. Is they're both where, especially in rel- like relation to season eight, this is where both of these characters really start to make their. They're they're still gonna have their ups and downs on the way, but this is they're where they need to be to be who they need to be to succeed in season eight. Right, and this is far. the start of their real journey. All Arya's been going through right now is getting you know the start curse and getting her ass handed to her and same thing with Bran except Bran's has been a much more boring story right but they're it's both more mystical i guess and, yeah. and with all the the warging and the the weird visions and stuff like that the three-eyed raven it's all yeah mystical but like you said a couple things are answered but it kind of it's more about these people aren't they're not going to kill off Arya and there's no way they're going to kill off Bran all the time they invest into Bran 
like this early in the story or this late in the story, I guess, is kind of you get nothing if you kill him off at this point. You you obviously learn that there's a point for his character because they keep devoting too much time to it. And it's kind of you, you see the same thing with Danny throughout the it's, first couple seasons. That's what I was about that, to say. Like, you, you, they put way to, this chick's all the way on the other side of the narrow sea. She's, you know, different parts. Pretty much seems like the difference between desert and, like, King's Landing, which is this lush, wonderful, beautiful place. So you're like, it's easy to, to not care about Danny, but it's like they keep bringing her up. Her story has to be important to the overall Game of Thrones because, you know, they keep they keep highlighting her all the time. The same with Bran. They keep highlighting Bran and, you know, I'll bring it up now, but like spoiler alert, he's not really in season five. So we'll bring that up in a few minutes or whatever. But like they finally have to leave Bran's character in a place where you still give a shit when they come back to Bran. And they do that with the three-eyed Ravager. Like he finally gets there. They finally see, you know, something that they had to explain from the first season was yeah. the three-eyed Raven, I believe, from a weird vision he had in, yeah. in the first season. So they find they're finally answering questions, which is kind of the a big deal in Game of Thrones. The slow they, burn. Yeah, they That's always bring up questions, is, but it's the the slow burn. Well, the thing too is like when you look, and this is a, a great season to kind of use it like for perspective is like what you were saying: Arya, Danny, and Bran, and even like Sansa. They've been involved in the show enough that you know that they're main characters. But they haven't, like, really directly influenced any big events yet. They're, the things that are happening are, like, and Danny's a little bit different because she's, like, you know, conquering cities now. But she hasn't done a whole lot to affect anything going on. Yeah. Like, in King's Landing, Winterfell, stuff like that. So, you know that they're going to be important. But at this point, everything's just kind of been just chugging very, very slowly. Just showing. But then you look at someone like Oberyn, someone that comes in... For one season, you love him immediately. Yeah. He's involved in a big, big thing with Tyrion's trial and all that, and then boom, he's dead. Right? What the hell? Well, you know, you that's what they worries go through me. the character development. They do that. Yeah, they, they, a phenomenal job. In one season, they make you fucking love that guy, and then boom, he's dead. That's what worries me in Thrones. Like when something big happens, like even not necessarily if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but when something a big, big event happens, someone involved in there is going to die. Someone's that's just died. the way it works. Someone's dying. So like it, you you don't really know what's going on. You see that they're they're slowly bringing them on, but you know it's going to be important down the road. But you just you don't know what's going to happen yet. All right, staying with the uh, north of the wall going on big uh big season for John. Uh, kind of stays in line with him and Danny. Um, kind of a season where they take their lumps again. Um. He's being accused of being a traitor. He's trying to tell him that, you know, I'm not a traitor. Um, there's a lot of stuff with the wildlings going on here. Um, you get introduced into some of the, I guess, it, it's just a perfect play for them to bring in the Finns, who are also wildlings, but they're cannibals. So, like, they're the worst of the worst. Like, yeah. a bunch of the weird, uh, like, skin imprint things on their faces and stuff like that. So, as... As you're hearing all this anti-wildling sentiment, you get to see these guys, and I they show it with that one scene I'll never forget where the leg is on the, on the, the spit, stake yeah, and it's just... spinning over the flame or whatever. So, like, they do a great job of, like, vilifying these guys. Um, but basically, John's plot is he's fighting with Alistair Thorne, who's the commander of the Night's Watch. 
they're trying to say that he's he was defecting to the wildlings. He's trying to say that he wasn't. Um, they get attacked by the wildlings. Big thing, like just to kind of show you how they feel about the wildlings, is they don't even believe that the wildlings are capable of rallying together. And that's a big conversation that you see there. So it's kind of like, holy shit, like you guys really, they act like these people are, are dogs to them just because they live north of the wall. So you kind of see John in a tough spot where he knows, he knows they're not trying, like they don't want to come down to conquer. They're just trying to get the fuck out of the north and away from the White Walkers. But still at this point, nobody believes really that the White Walkers exist. So at this point... Right, only a few... At this point, this is where you get to see like at this point a really you, you, fun battle scene. Right. So you realize that it's not it's not just about keeping the White Walkers out. It's the Wildlings too, and these are still like under under the the normal Night's Watch like thought process. Yeah, it's like who cares? Keep the White Walkers out. Keep the Wildlings yeah, out. Yeah, humans care. or not, keep everything yeah, out. Yeah, just keep everything north south. of the wall. That's north of they the really wall. They really just don't understand the gravity of what's coming no they have no idea yet um that's a big scene too this season you finally get to see the knight's king who's very similar like i as soon as i saw him i thought of darth maul yeah but you just see like he turns that baby the eyes turn like ice blue and that's like the first time you see him so that's a pretty big scene you don't have any idea who he really is yet very cool but you know that he's powerful because you get to see him turn this baby into into like you know the starts of a white walker or whatever so you know it's important but so definitely was like oh damn moments. yeah but you get to see that uh that battle scene with the wildlings attacking the wall was phenomenal you get to see like big ass mammoths you get to see that they have giants what's his name yun yun yeah um i'll never forget seeing you see that big ass bow that he's got and the human, like the arrow is like basically like a telephone pole, yeah. more or less. Like probably, it's gnarly, even, man. yeah, it's like probably that size. Yeah, and he fires that thing and it hits that dude and he goes like flying. Like who knows where he probably landed? Yeah, you really don't get fifteen it. miles away. Like this dude, if there's anything, anything left of him, and they just show them firing those arrows and it's just basically destroying, like just ripping the shit out of this wall. And it's just it's a phenomenal scene. Um, basically, the the culmination of that is. You know, John's just, he's trying to trying to get everyone to change their mind and realize that if you're living, we're fighting the same battle. Nothing else matters. The same thing that Melisandre said a couple, like, you know, the season previously or whatever. It's not, it's not about the War of the Five Kings. Not anymore. It's about the living versus the dead, and you're finally now starting to see that that's the case. And now we finally get to see who the leader of the White Walkers is. And you get to see how badass he is. So that's that's going to be big playing in, especially the next season where you really get to see kind of some of his powers and stuff like that. But this is basically a, like one of those seasons where John's just, it's, it's, a, it's a constant back and forth for him, up and down, up and down, up and down. And now he's, he's basically... He's in, a, he's in an impossible spot because as the wildlings are attacking, here comes Stannis. We get to see him again. And basically Stannis is now coming at him and saying, get out of the Night's Watch. Like, renounce your vows. Become Jon Stark and be but then, the Warden of the North. But Jon's trying to go talk to Mance Raider to get him to, you know. Yeah. 
He's trying to. He's basically. He's trying to do, to do everything right. So you continue to see, like, even in the face of being, you know, called a traitor and this and that, he still wants to do the right thing. So he, he he's doing all that, and then he gets thrown in with Stannis. So no matter what he does, he's being pulled in a different direction. But you really get to see some of his leadership abilities coming through, especially during and it the goes, fight. It goes back to seeing, like, what he did when, when Ned was killed. He wanted to leave the Night's Watch and go get revenge, but he made his vows and he stays true to his word. Right, which is why he denies Stannis. When Stannis does, Stannis has the ability to make him John Stark, and yeah. he turns him down. That's what I mean. That's and that's what every bastard wants. They made that abundantly clear, like from season one when John's getting treated like shit from Catelyn Stark, and even Ned says to him, "He's like, you don't have my name, but you have my blood." That's and you see that this season with Ramsay. Snow becoming Ramsay Bolton. And it's they're they're very polar opposite characters. Ramsay's a psychopath and John's trying to do the right thing. But that's all a bastard wants is to have their father's name because that usually means, you know, a title and all that good shit, but he still says no. Like I'm gonna stay up here, freeze my nuts off, fight between the wildlings and and the night's watch, and constantly be in despair, basically. Right, his whole thing is he's he's like, this is the beginning, like you said. They they fight the wildlings, but this is really the beginning of John's attempt to try to prove to people that the knights king the night king is a real thing, and they have an army more vast than anyone could have could have imagined. And you know he he spends a while on this task, and that's essentially becomes his task for a long time. He really gets, I, they use him with the Wildlings to bring in, like, you know, you're starting to see more torment and stuff like that, and you really love his character. He's still kicking in Season 8. He was a big one in Season 7 that we were talking about. Like, is he still alive? Is he still alive? Because you, you, you grow to love his character, even right. though he's not, like, one of the main, main guys for every season that the show's been out. But it's, you really start to develop those relationships with the wildlings and then you know back to his struggles during this battle his love he greet has every opportunity to kill him decides not to and then as they're staring each other down arrow through the back and you see ollie who's what how old 13 something like that he's a kid he he did break the vow though in that season by sleeping with you correct yeah, but that's the only thing he did. Yeah. That's the only that's the like he's had But he left her to come go Yeah, back but he left her world. to come back. Like so even though yes he did that, he still came back. He was doing it to save his ass. Yeah, it's like, well, that was there. last season, but yeah, yeah. he did Honor. he did, yeah. So I mean like it just shows like even if even through love and she gave he him would that still come back. Famous line, you know nothing. Yeah. Right before she died. But Ollie, that that scene, like he's so happy, like he thinks he's saved John's life. Just a kid, he and John's that. just completely decimated. So it's it's a tough spot for him to be in, uh, for sure. And he just, and you just continue to see the struggles, the Stark struggles. For him, um, the only other really big character that we haven't covered at all is Danny, and this is like I said, similar to John, is she's just kind of getting. Kind of back down the downward swing. She was really kind of high last season. 
and now she's she's experiencing some struggles. So she basically decides that she's going to stay a Marine and rule from there. Like, she needs to be there to control this area. While she decides that, you know, she takes some some, some major hits along the way. She finds out that Yunkai and Astapor, their things aren't going well there. The, the Masters are, are taken back over there. So she's got to start figuring that stuff out. In the midst of that, her dragons are kind of just basically in the, I guess, where my son is in the Terrible Twos. Being disobedient. Just not listening. They're killing people, like farm animals and shit like that. And while all that's going on, they find out that Jorah has been spying on her this entire time for the Lannisters. So her dragons are being dicks. The Masters are coming back. Her control's slipping politically. And now one of her, the people that's been with her through the thick and the thin from the get-go. Betraying her. Betraying her the entire time. So she banishes him. Yeah, she doesn't kill him, but she definitely exiles him. She Yeah, she couldn't bring herself to kill him. So he's gone. She ends up locking up two of the the dragons. And she can't catch them. And the reason for that is there's a... a a pretty powerful scene where you think that there's going to be another person coming to say, like, you know, my my livestock were killed. And it's the guy's kid. Yeah. They're charred bones. And at that point, like, it's she finally realizes, change, yeah. like, I've got to do something. So, Drogon's gone. Can't find him. But she locks the other two up. Obviously pretty broken up about it. You know, she's in tears as she's leaving and stuff like that. So it's definitely a very down season for Danny at the end of things because you don't really know what's going to happen. And she decides to stay a Marine and she wants to rule there to try to bring order. And it's not going well so far. It's not going too well for her. At all. Kind of just losing control. Like, same thing with John. Like, you know, they're they're trying to do the right thing, but... Isn't this when Manfredo dies too this season? Next season. Next season. Um, I'm stupid. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I like to hang out with people who I feel more intelligent than False sense of confidence. But yeah, I mean, pretty much like to, to kind of wrap up. Um, some major, major deaths. Joffrey dies. Oberyn dies. The Greek. Uh, Jojen's kind of more of a minor character. but He's, he's kind of the dude he's, who's responsible for Bran yeah, achieving his... But it's also kind of fitting that as he... As Bran makes his way to he the three eyed raven, to the door, and then yeah, like, like gets killed. Hey, oh, all you gotta do is walk he in. Knows, yeah. He knows he's gonna die. It's just and yeah, you kind of wonder too, like, has he foreseen this yeah. and knows that this is gonna happen? Sure, but, he's okay with it. I mean, like I said, like this season to me, like especially after guys Tywin going dies through, too, which is yeah, I forgot, fucking forgot Tywin, Tywin and Shay and Shay, who's not like a very impactful character like, plot wise, but you, you definitely. You're happy that she she died. I didn't feel sorry. because of how she fucked up. Yeah, we I mean we talked about Lysa. We talked about Sir Sir Dantos. They all died too. Yeah, there were a lot of yeah, uh, some deaths. Pa, uh, Polver, like you get to see Arya killing some people too. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's really where like I said like this season for me is like where things really started to pick up. A lot of balls are in motion right now. There's still some some plot lines that are just kind of kind of killing time to get where they need to be, but a lot of the stuff is is set in motion now and and some major things are changing like 
Did not expect Joffrey to die like that. Not at all. I expected that to happen later on just because the people that you hate like that, they don't die yet. Like I like I said, like I would have not been surprised if he ends up yeah, sitting on the iron around. throw yeah. at the end. Yeah, like just wouldn't have been surprised at all. This but, was uh, the season for me that got me hooked too. Just yeah, it really grabbed me, sunk its claws into me. It was it's just phenomenal. Like when you start going back through everything, it's just the you get so many phenomenal events take place, like the battle up at the wall. Joffrey's wedding, you know, the trial. Like, there's so much, yeah, like, there's so so much stuff that goes on, and it's just, like, from here on out, it just, every, every scene matters. Like, you really start to see that literally every scene matters. You don't know what's gonna happen anymore. Like, you just... No, you're just, you're, it's a mindfuck every season. Yeah, it's a mindfuck every season. You don't know who's gonna survive, who's gonna die at this point. It's just, like, I can't be surprised anymore. And then... Damn. You're surprised. So uh we'll uh we'll be back with a season five recap, like literally in ten minutes when we start it. Very soon. Um so follow us on Twitter, Jack in the Box eighty five. At Matt Bechtel. And Filthy Phil. Bay Bay B A Y B A Y. On Instagram. On Instagram. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>